I'm going in. It's too big. Size matters not. Didn't go in. So it's big. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 6 of the Hoth Topic, a spin-off show from our main show, the Sarlacc Digest. I'm your host Chris, otherwise known as Darth Dad on the Sarlacc Show. Um, coming at you today a few days late, guys. I, I promise I'm going to get my uh, my schedule, my recording schedule better. Um, I, I know I drive Marco nuts because he does the, uh, the bumpers at the end of this and the beginning of this, so I, I know I drive him nuts waiting, but uh, I just pulled a 60-hour week and... I'm kind of beat and been wanting to do this episode for a little bit, um, so re- ready and uh, ready to rock, but I promise I'll get back on my Friday schedule soon, I'm not coming out on Saturday, Sundays, and Mondays anymore. And uh, I hope you had a chance to check out the last episode of Sarlacc Digest. Um, what we're doing right now, since there's not a whole lot of big news going on, nothing nothing magical happening, uh, we're, we're kind of going through each movie, uh, half of a movie at a time each week. And talking through it as a group, whether it be about the lore, what's happening in that Star Wars galaxy at that moment, um, talking about background characters, actors, things like that. We're just kind of going through it. Um, we poke a little fun here and there, too, obviously, um, kind of like you would do with your, your best friend, just talking a little bit of shit. You know, it's not that we hate on the prequels. At least I don't, right? And I don't think most of the guys do. Scott kind of doesn't prequel. But... uh you hear us on there, and we're, we're giving a little bit of jabs at, at some of the stuff. It's it's all in good fun, though some of it does deserve some jabs. Uh, you would have also heard, finally, uh, Marco and I's discussion regarding the the pod race scene in Episode 1, which I stand by, and I do believe I won the discussion, that the pod race scene is way too long, way too unnecessary to be that long, and really just ghastly. The sound is great, some of the visuals are great, but the rest of it is just horrid so i do think i won that fight go ahead and listen to sarlacc and let me know on here or on the sarlacc page i do run both pages um and i will tell you you're wrong if you tell me i'm wrong so so we'll be continuing that we're going to go through the entire saga this next week we're going to hit the back half of phantom menace which should be exciting because that's just about everybody's favorite part of the phantom menace is when we get to darth maul going at it and i really can't wait to get to that final battle um even going back and forth, it's going to be a little shaky when we're listening to it, or doing it anyway, but I'm really excited for that episode. And then we're going to go th- straight through it, right? We're going to go through episode two, and then we're going to jump into some Clone Wars arcs in between two and three. Um, not the entire set of seasons, obviously, but we'll go through that and then through the entire saga. So I hope you guys are checking out Sarlacc right now. It is it is a fun type of thing. We're trying something new, seeing how it goes. We're going to probably um, change things around week by week to make it better. But definitely a, f- a fun listen on that. So let's jump right into it here. A uh, little bit of news, like we uh, just mentioned right there about Clone Wars. I'm really excited for San Diego Comic-Con here. Not that I'm going, right? But uh, to get the news from it, because there's going to be a big anniversary deal panel uh, with Dave Filoni and the uh, Clone Wars crew. So everybody's kind of expecting something. And you hate when you get a big announcement like that from somebody like Dave Filoni that we're going to be at San Diego Comic-Con and it's Clone Wars anniversary and yada yada. You, you like to hear it, but you hate to hear it because immediately we're all going to start speculating on what it is. As far as we know, it could just be a cool panel and everybody's interviewing and seeing what they miss. It's like a reunion show, right? But we're all assuming we're going to get something, uh, whether it be a, a full closure to the Clone Wars series that everybody begs for all the time um, or like what I've wanted. I just give me a straight-to-DVD 
set or a movie like uh, DC does with their movies so well. I would love to see an animated Dark Disciple, um, maybe an Ahsoka arc, just straight to DVD is cool with me, or Blu-ray. Um, I'd be totally cool with that. Or if they want to go ahead and put it back on their streaming network for a season, obviously I'm going to be really down for that. So looking forward to hearing that. Obviously the speculation's going nuts, but uh, we're not going to fall into that. Do I want to play that game? Yes, I do. I really want that straight to Blu-ray movie. But, you know, we'll, we will see it. We're going to be seeing it real soon. Uh, there's not really a whole lot of Bantha Poodoo this week, so we're not going to do that that bit. But what I will talk about is a, a few more things. And, you know, I talk about the toxicity of the fan base quite a bit on both shows, and I think it's kind of the big topic around Star Wars the last year or so, or definitely the last eight months. But uh, even the directors keep jumping in, and whether they should or not is is another topic. But James Mangold, the, the rumored director of the rumored Boba Fett movie, um, is even jumped in comparing it writing into Star Wars, like you're trying to maybe amend the Bible, you know, and, and being stoned and, and called a blasphemer. Uh, that's a that's an issue, right? Because if all these big-name directors start feeling that way and seeing what the fan base does, we're really left with nothing. We're left with, with nobody to run this stuff. It's going to fall apart, and we're going to stop getting Star Wars stuff all the time. And that's really not what we want, right? If you're a real fan, that's not what you want. So I think this at this point, it's, it's really, and it's beyond the point, back the fuck up. Uh, just let let it flow and let's see what's going on. Express it for a minute, you know. Um, go through it a month, but stop attacking the directors, the people, the actors. Uh, you know, we've gone through this, you know, ad nauseum. I'm not going to keep going through it over and over again too much. But when a director comes out like this, it kind of scares me. Because if there is a Boba Fett movie that's going to one day be confirmed, I would love James Mangold to do it. You know, that, that'd that be fantastic. But if he's going to sit here and say, you know what, I don't care how much money you throw at me. I have enough money. I'm not going to jump into this shithole. And it's not the, the franchise that's a shithole. It's the, it's the online social media part that is that makes it really rough for these guys. If he doesn't want to jump into that and deal with that and go through that, you know, you can't blame him. But that's really a loss for us. So that's what the... The the vocal minority, I still say it is, that's what they're doing to the, the rest of us, is they're hosing everybody up, and, and fuck that. So that's my piece. I won't go off for 20 minutes on that like I probably could. Now, the other thing that's coming up, and this is, I guess, is you, this would be Bantha Poodoo if I didn't believe it's actually going to happen. Um, but everybody keeps saying Billy D is confirmed to return as Lando in Episode Nine. Again, I feel like we have to be the voice of reason for the entire planet and explain how the word confirmed works. Just because he canceled a convention, that does not make it confirmed. Just because he's getting in shape, rumorly, rumored, allegedly, does not mean that he's going to be in the movie confirmed. Uh, nothing like that. His, his son tweeting don't ask me about Lando is not a confirmation those are all rumors those are all clues those are things like that but in no way shape or form is that confirmation the only time something is confirmed and we're going to say this for like the 10,000th time to everyone all you pages that listen here and I know some of you do you know stop using confirmed use rumored because if something happens all of a sudden you're going to look like a big old jackass when it doesn't happen so in order for something to be confirmed it needs to come from Lucasfilm it needs to come from Disney, whether it be a, a full press release or their Twitter or their webpage or their earnings call, anything like that, or the actor or the director. 
Those places, that's confirmation, not the Hollywood Reporter. The Hollywood Reporter puts a lot of shit out, and are they right? Yeah, sometimes they are. But they are in no way, shape, or form confirmation of anything. That's the problem we have is one place will put out an article, and they're like, my sources, they're, they're you know, sources they can't talk about for, for fear of losing their jobs, right? I'm telling you, six degrees to everybody, okay? I could start a rumor, tell somebody. Then they could tell somebody else, tell somebody else, tell somebody else, and it gets to the Hollywood Reporter. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, we have inside sources. You don't have inside sources. Hot Topic just made some shit up just to see if it would get back to your dumbass. That's how this works, and that's how it keeps working. It's like the telephone game when you're a kid. It's, it's complete nonsense. Now, do I think Lando will be in Episode Nine? Well, fuck yeah, I do. We did it in the, uh, the crawl I made a year back, about episode or eight months back, about Episode Nine. I absolutely think Lando will be back. I think Lando wasn't in the uh, in episode eight for a purpose. I think they always plan to have him in nine. To be honest with you, I, I think that he was where Maz was. I think she was helping with the labor dispute with Lando wherever the hell he is right now. I think that he couldn't get to help. I think he may show up right. May have shown up right after. We'll probably get a story or a book where he showed up to crate right after the 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 battle and nobody was left there. Or he gets there as the first order's leaving and he doesn't know where any of the new rebellion is, uh, anything like that. But I, I do believe Lando's needed, um, especially after the unfortunate passing of, of Carrie Fisher, because we do need uh, an original character in the movie still. They do need veteran leadership, and as you know, as we obviously couldn't help you know, with Fisher's death, we won't have her there as a general. Um, Chewbacca, R2, and 3PO can't carry it. So I, I think bringing... You know, Billy D as Lando back in, that's really the route to go to have some veteran leadership. You don't have to see him a lot. You know, it could be like an Akbar and Jedi. Just make sure he's there in a leadership role. They they bounce things off him once in a while. That's all you really need. He doesn't need to be out there battling and, and shooting shit. You know, it could be like like I said, Akbar, Mon Mothma, Return of the Jedi. That's all you need from him. And that would be plenty for me. As long as he's, you know, smooth as hell, telling people what to do and hitting on ladies, I'm good to go. Or droids or whatever the fuck he's going to hit on in this movie. But still, though I believe it, that doesn't make it confirmed. Shit, if it confirmed it, I'd have confirmed it back on my crawl, right? So now we're going to jump right into, we're only 10 minutes in, let's jump into the main topic of Hoth Topic this week. You remember last week, uh, or two weeks ago, I flipped a coin, and it was either going to be Obi-Wan and Maul's mirrored you know, paths, or it was going to be the, the solo family relationship. And Maul Kenobi won. So this week we're going to go through the solo family. Um, kind of like I did with Skywalker. Probably not as in-depth. Probably not as earth-shattering. They didn't kill 1.7 million people. Though they did help. Um, but, but the reason this stuff keeps coming up is because I still keep having the same discussions online with people that just can't get over things or see beyond their own nose or be open-minded about stuff. Uh, you know, the, the the complaints we had this week and that I had discussions on were, one, killing off of the actual characters. Like, they're so pissed off that, you know, Han died in the first one, that Luke died in the second one, and that Leia's going to be dead in the third one. And when they talk about the Lando piece, they're like, oh, how are they going to kill Lando? You know, they get real pissy about it. you got to think about this. You know, pretty soon up here, by the time what's Ford's like 75 years old, he didn't want to play Han anymore. He wanted to die at the end of Empire. They froze him in Carbonite originally, specifically, because they didn't know if he would return in Jedi or not. Uh, George Lucas didn't know, so that was the whole Carbonite plot piece, um, was to be safe. 
you know, so killing him off in the first one to drive his son's story forward, that was perfect. So I, I don't understand why people wouldn't just be happy for Harrison Ford getting that death. Um, you know, it, it worked in the place. I get that we didn't get the the Trinity meeting back up. I get that part. But there's no problem with, with Han dying there. With Luke dying in in 8, I think I covered that pretty thoroughly two episodes ago on Luke's arc and why that was good. But he's a Jedi. He's going to take on the, the Force Ghost role now that Obi-Wan had taken, that Yoda's taken. That That's his role now. He'll be the mentor that can be everywhere and, you know, and, and there for Rey. Or, or torture or, or torment, you know, Ben, Kylo. So there's no problem with that death. The Carrie Fisher piece, that wasn't on them. That that was a tragic happening. That, that was no plan to kill off that character. So people complaining about that, fuck off. That was nothing to do with Lucasfilm, Disney, J.J., uh, Johnson, anybody. That's that's an unfortunate, tragic happening. Um and Billy D won't be going anywhere. But that's the bitching, you know, is how are they going to kill these characters off? The other piece kind of on the same side, of the, or the different side of the same coin, is they're destroying what we thought these characters were. And again, this is where people's headcanon gets in the way, and they think that they've destroyed Luke's arc. And again, if you hadn't listened to episode four of Hoth Topic, jump into that and hear the Skywalker arc and why he was, you know, he's more human than everybody wants to give him credit for. He's not a superhero. Just Just go into that one. Um, but killing off what we we felt these characters should be, whether it be Luke not this big, bigger than life hero, um, and then Han and Leia being, you know, not so great parents, that type of thing. That's what we're going to get into today, and that's why we're going to get into that today. So as I go through it, you know, I'll go through a little bit of uh, Han's background, Leia's background, and that piece, and what we know of Ben. Um, but what it's probably going to come down to in the end here, and I, you know I don't script stuff, but I kind of see how this will end up going, is it'll probably end up why Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, is a fucking phenomenal character, and that's why it's going to end up, the. I think that's where we're going to end up with today. So we've all seen Solo, you know, several times by now, I'm sure. Um, many of us have read the, the books that go along with it, whether it be Most Wanted or Last Shot. And we know enough about the history of the, the character to kind of get a, a good feel for Han at this point. So we know that he was orphan, right? That he didn't have his family, that his father, you know, built ships on Corellia, yada, yada, yada. We know all that piece, okay? The the important part is, and we as we saw in Solo, he has a real problem trusting, being part. He maybe want to be part of a team, but until he became cynical, you know, you see how everybody turned on him, whether it be Kira or Beckett or... You know, Lando turns on him in Empire, all these things, and I'm sure Lando turns on him two or three more times, or Lando left him there, you know, in Solo, but I'm sure that happens a few more times in their life. He doesn't really trust anybody but Chewie, um, and Chewie's kind of tied to him, you know, that, that's that's one of those things where he doesn't have um, a lot. If you read Most Wanted, it's not really the greatest book of, of all the books, but it does show that they were close, they got close quickly. And then in Solo, when she leaves him, it's like, well, fuck, that's like the one person at that point, until Chewie, he was close to. Um, you know, and like Beckett tells him, you can't you can't trust anybody. So that's how Han really grows up, you know, an orphan, can't trust anybody. Is You know, he dreams of, of adventure, he dreams of excitement. What he does is he races. It's He's got this, um, you know, he's working for the, uh, the, the worms, the white worms. He's got all this stuff. He's he's an adventurous guy. He just can't be tied down sitting around. And that's 
kind of how Han is, is raised. Then you go into Leia, and we knew enough about Leia. She was 19 and the start of A New Hope, right? She was already, you know, part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. All this stuff, she was already, you know, pretty experienced at 19 years old. And when you read uh, Princess of Alderaan, you'll see that at 14 she's in the Junior Senate. I mean, this has been her whole life. This is when she finds out about the the rebellion that her, that her father and mother are helping put together. All this stuff. So from a very young age, remember, she, she was orphaned but raised, you know, obviously better than Luke was. Not better as in loved or anything, but just in a better environment, you would think. But then brought up in this war and brought up in this rebellion. So she's constantly, since she was young, kind of kind of like uh, Padme, just right into the thick of shit. And she never really had this uh, normal childhood that she was always destined to be a senator, a queen, uh, you know, the princess she is. All this stuff was her destiny and, and kind of how she was she was pushed. Um, so she didn't have downtime, normal stuff, things like that. So then you come up, and we're going to jump all the way up now to the the original trilogy. And as we meet him, you've got Han with Chewie as a, as a sly smuggler, right? Um, going to help out, you know, Han and Ben for a lot of money. I wouldn't say help out out of the goodness of his heart. But this is where he is. You know, he's trying to get out of trouble. He's still running scams. He's still doing this stuff. He's not ever going to be looking to to settle down, you know, you can go through the sauna thing, uh, all that stuff, but that that had, but that was more of a scam than anything, right? So you meet him here, and he's this this you know not quite as pimpish as Lando, but that's pretty much what he is. He's just a sly dog, right? And we meet Leia, and she's having a a pretty rough go at it right now. She's kidnapped by Darth Vader, you know. Um, she goes through, uh, and they blow up her fucking planet right in front of her, her home, her home planet at this point, Alderaan. She loses billions and billions of people on this planet, and I'm sure can just feel that deep within herself. You know, this is kind of along the same lines. Again, you look at, when I talk about a mirror path, you got Luke in this movie who kills 1.7 million people, and you got Leia in this movie who just watched billions of people on her home planet die. So there are a lot of emotional things going on. And... The fact that she was tortured, and they've made this clear in um, in Bloodline, tortured for hours and, and hurt for hours by Darth Vader, who she learns later is her father, right? Which makes it worse later. You know, she's going through hell and back right now. She knows she just lost her, her mom and dad on that planet. Um, so she's going through hell. So we've got these people on, on completely different sides. Then they meet up on the Death Star. Now you've got Leia, who obviously thinks Han is a, a smug asshole, a flyboy and Han who thinks she's a you know stuck up bitch at this point right but he messes around with Luke yada yada you guys know the story so then we go on a few years later we're in Empire and they've had time to go on adventures and stuff together but they're still kind of at each other's throats it's not like they're they're they've done anything at this point you know Han's still trying Leia's still fighting they've been through this whole war they're they're fighting you know it's not like they had they have time for a whole lot, lot of romance they're, they're fighting against the fucking evil galactic empire. So at this point, you kind of see it evolve a little bit, even though they're still at each other's throats. Um, by the end, when they go in, when he gets put in the carbonite, and we have the I love you, I know iconic moment. Um, okay, this is where it starts, right? It, it, it begins here, really. And then you jump a few months later. Well, Leia's had time to actually think about things. And if I remember correctly in Shadows of the Empire books, which I know are not canon, obviously, you know I'm, I'm well-versed in that part. But she would have dreams and wake up and be like, I know, are you serious? He says, I know, you know. 
that kind of thing. But she's thinking about him and worried about him. Well, Han hasn't had any time. No time has passed for him, really, you know, in, in his mind. So we go from Empire, and a couple months later, now we're in Return. And they're still fighting. They don't have time for a bunch of love. She comes and rescues him. They escape. You know, we jump right into Endor. There's not a whole lot of of time to build this relationship more on a romantic level, on a on a uh, on a love level. Okay, but when it comes down to it, they win the Battle of Endor. You got, again, you guys know the story. We'll go through it on Sarlacc. Um, and immediately they conceive Ben. They're not married yet. Nothing's going on yet. They're they conceive Ben. Um, right after Endor. So now we're kind of stuck into now you've got two people that are really not tied down to anything but what they've known all their lives, right? Han being a smuggler, a racer, a, a wild card, all this stuff. That's Han, right? The the just just being Han. And you got Leia who's nothing known nothing but politics, but war, but destruction of, of her planet, all this stuff. Now you have that. So you have these two people that have never really had anything major or been with anybody for a long period of time. All of a sudden, basically, he knocked her up because apparently in space they can't find condoms anywhere and Han doesn't have any kind of pull-out game. So you've got to figure at this point, they have been basically just flirting for years, right? Um, playful banter back and forth. She professed her love while he's just about to probably die at that point. She rescues him, goes through all this. They go through this big emotional f- piece, and all of a sudden they're having a kid. So think about it in uh, our world if something like that were to happen, right? All of a sudden you got this this guy who's uh, uh, free at heart, and he does what he wants. He's never been tied down, really doesn't trust anybody. All of a sudden, you know, this, this girl he's been flirting with, he all of a sudden is having a child with. And before you know it, they get married and, and things like that, even her. She's been tied to her career and everything else, not looking for any kind of relationship to tie down. She's had responsibilities in, in the Galactic Senate, in the Rebellion, everything else. She's not looking to, to have a family at this point. And here they are now both locked down with a kid. You know, much the same way we discussed the uh, Luke Skywalker arc a couple episodes back, if we're looking at these people as real people, as characters, as as people we can relate to, You've got to realize they're in a galaxy far, far away, but they have real emotions, real problems, real things to deal with. This can't be easy on either one of them. I'm sure it's probably like a, oh, my God, and a happy thing, both at the same time. But still, this is far from where either one of them saw their paths a few years prior. This isn't something that was that was planned out. Um, even in the last, say, the four months since he was frozen in carbonite, this was just spur of the moment, here we are, boom, we're on Endor, war is over, they made a baby. You know, and I know the argument will come up, well, these aren't real people and this is just a sci-fi fantasy and they should be able to have their fairy tale ending and all this stuff will work. Well, you got to remember, George Lucas himself calls this a space opera, you know, compared to basically a soap opera or an opera itself where it's it's most of it's tragic. Most of it's going to be um, showing those emotions, showing those problems, showing real loss and, and issues dealt with, and it's not going to be this happily ever after. So here we are now. We've got Han and Leia with a kid married. And now we don't know the rest of this piece between really from from Return of the Jedi up until The Force Awakens. There is very little we know still, right? We have the Aftermath books, which give us a, a little bit of a view. We do have the Last Shot solo Lando novel, which gives us a little bit. 
we have Bloodline, which gives us a little bit. And that's really all we have to know and what's going on in the actual movies in Force Awakens, how much um, Kylo is tied emotionally, you know, to Han, that type of thing, um, and his mother um, in a negative way a lot of times. That, that's all we really know. So what we've got to figure out here from, from, these, from the books from Aftermath, we'll start with, is Han's already pretty much gone, pretty much absent, absent already. He's out, number one, doing... Um, Helping Chewbacca, helping him liberate Kashyyyk, right? So he starts out as a the family guy again and trying to help Leia while she's building the New Republic, all of that. Um, and she's pregnant, but he's already out leaving her before she even has the kid. And he's he's out helping Chewbacca because obviously he has a life debt to Chewie too. But there's no way he's going to be able to sit down and just be house dad or get a normal job or anything like that. That's not going to be... Han's style, and already even while while she's pregnant, um, Leia is still tied into the New Republic, into her responsibilities there, all of that kind of thing. There's no, there's no break for these guys at all. Now we know when Ben is born, that it's still kind of the same thing going. And in last shot, again, they're off doing their own things, leaving Ben at home, and he's basically raised pretty much by droids, right? Um, and that's going to be probably what I figure we're going to learn a lot about is his parents have been gone, that he's being raised by the butler droid or the coffee droid or the calf droid, whatever the hell it was, I forget now, the calf droid, that he's going to be raised by that, by 3PO. Maybe, you know, R2's off with Luke, so it's going to be 3PO and the calf droid. And he's not going to have mom and dad around at the same time for sure, but hardly either one of them around at all because of their responsibilities or what they want to do. Um, you know, Han goes off on another adventure with Lando. And as I spoke about when we did the the last shot review on Sarlacc, you know, there's a point where Han is like he doesn't he he mentions he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to be a father. He didn't have one growing up a long time. He didn't really have a role model. Um, he doesn't know what he's doing. The the kid cries when he's there, and he cries when he he screams when he leaves. All that kind of stuff. He loves Ben, but he's not sure what to do, right? And that's going to be a big issue for him. Even though in that book, you know, Lando wants pretty much what Han has, Han explains to him that it's not all it's cracked up to be because he's he's lost in it. And from the very beginning, they've mentioned, even when she was pregnant uh, with Ben, how she could feel the the darkness within him, right? So now you've got two absentee parents and someone who already is um, prone to the dark side of the Force. Now Luke tells her not to worry about it, She as she mentions, that you know, if there's powerful light, there's powerful darkness. The The brightest light casts the darkest shadow, I believe he says. So even though he tells her not to worry about it, we know, you know, from foreshadowing in that book that that's what's going on right there. So this kid's coming out super powerful. He's got the Skywalker blood. Um, he knows that his mother is super important in the galaxy. He'll learn that his father is famous and he's a smuggler and all his background. He's going to know his uncle is probably one of the most famous, if one of, if not the most famous person in the galaxy. And that's all he knows about those three of his family. And then we know from Force Awakens that there's some point, somewhere, where they send him off to Luke because of the, the powers he has, because he's so much like his grandfather, like Vader, which they haven't told him about, um, that they send him off with Luke to be trained. And so this is one of those things where he already had the parents kind of abandoning him 
in in real life while he was there being raised by droids as far as we know now they're literally abandoning him sending him off with his uncle who hasn't been around it's not like luke's around at this point we know luke's been off searching for jedi artifacts jedi lore everything he's just about learning and now these two are sending him off or ben off with his uncle he's pretty much probably just met or only known a few times so again now put yourself in his shoes as a real person how would you feel at that point you might be excited for a minute. You know what? I'm going to go off and I'm going to learn how to use the Force. I'm going to learn how to be a Jedi. I've got this famous uncle I'm going to go hang out with. You know, I haven't really been in touch with my mom and dad and all these things. Uh, it might be exciting for a bit, but at the same time, you're going to harbor some resentment towards your actual parents. So now the years are going to go on, right? And he's going to have this, this anger growing in him, this resentment, um, maybe this hate. And, you know, we know what Yoda says in the Force in the Phantom Menace about fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. I'm I'm sure there's a, a fear of him going. Um, he gets angry at his parents and he starts hating his parents, that type of thing. And so the darkness is growing. And Luke is starting to see this growth right inside of him and is probably kind of treating him differently. So now he's, he's probably more powerful than everybody, so he feels different again, like maybe an outcast or what have you. Now his uncle, who he's supposed to be, who's supposed to be helping him, is treating him probably different, not knowing how to react to him, talk to him, that kind of thing. So you've got this kid who's really freaking twisted um, in his own head. Kind of like like we talked about with Luke, how it had to be emotionally impactful to Luke having all these things happen in his life. Well, look at Kylo from the very beginning. Um, he's probably got more of a tragic story than, than even Luke, maybe. And I don't think it's because necessarily that Han and Leia were bad parents or they weren't in love. That it's just the situation, right? They were... They put themselves in a situation, um, the, the situation in the galaxy, everything else going on. It just wasn't, you know, conducive to having this long-term, loving, perfect uh, relationship, that this nuclear family that everybody thinks that it should have been. Like maybe in the EU we had a little bit of between the two of them. Now, again, there's no loss of love or anything else. We know in Bloodline, you know, Han, when he does come back here and there, they're very much in love and they... They lay in the bed and they talk and they do all these things. It's not like they, they lost track, you know, six years before uh, Force Awakens. It's just not what everybody thinks it should be. They're not off on adventures all the time together. They're not together every day holding hands, drinking coffee, doing shit. You know, and, and Ben is, is unfortunately the victim of of their dysfunctional relationship, really from the very beginning. So now we've got Ben... And we've talked about it on Sarlacc, and I know I have how, and on the pages, how I think Kylo is one of the most interesting characters we've seen in all of Star Wars, how conflicted he is. And this is the the reason, this upbringing here, right? So again, now let's talk about, you know, the, the part where Luke kind of betrays him. So now I've gone through all this time, and obviously Luke has seen the the darkness within Ben, and Ben has to know it's there. You know, he knows he feels the anger. He knows he has this hate. Um, and he probably knows that Luke knows it as well. So when he sees Luke in there thinking about taking him out and and uh, pulling his lightsaber and what, what have you, that's just got to turn him right there, right? And we don't know how, but we know Snoke's been involved at some point. We know Snoke has been involved with Luke, helping Luke in either his training or his learning, which also means he was probably involved. We know he was involved somehow with, with Ben or Kylo. Um, from what Leia said in The Force Awakens as well. So we don't know that part yet, but I'm sure we'll we'll get to it. But the lightsaber pull in the hut was the 
the final straw to send him to the dark side um, fully. So now we've got this kid completely twisted, right? That's why his emotions are so conflicted. So he's, he's such powerful light. He's got this, again, mighty Skywalker blood. We don't we know Vader was evil to a point, but in the beginning, Anakin was, was truly a good guy. Luke was supposed to be this ultimate good, right? So we know we have light side within him. But then you have that darker side, right? That Vader side, um, the post-Anakin side within him. And we've got this all this torment and these problems and um, him being abandoned by his family, uh, threatened by his uncle, nobody around him type of thing. Now, don't get me wrong. We know Anakin was a slave and only had his mother. We know Luke was a orphan raised by his aunt and uncle. But again, neither one of them were ever truly just betrayed by their parents the, the way or and their uncle the way Ben is seeing his life. And then, you know, we talked about Vader a second ago. Now let's talk about that, because in Force Awakens, when he has and he's collected Vader's old helmet, at some point, like, Bloodline is when he figures this out, right? It comes out unnaturally. It's not like Leia just told him. It came out um, through that secret box and what have you, and, and everybody knew all over the newscasts and, and everything. So it kind of came out that way and shocked him. Remember, again, he's probably 22 years old at this point when he finds out they've been lying to him this whole time and never told him that his grandfather was the most evil guy in the galaxy, yada, yada. So now he's been lied to by everybody. They've all been keeping the truth, too. So he's got that piece going as well. So I forgot to bring that up, but that's another huge part, another huge betrayal by all of his family here. So now we've got to figure out somewhere where he collects this helmet and he says, show me again, grandfather, show me again. So this is either one of two things. Either Anakin did come to him in a vision and somehow lead him towards the dark side or help him along his path, or Snoke was fucking with his mind and conjured a vision of Vader or acted like he was Vader in a vision to get Kylo to come over, and that's how he manipulated him. That's what I'd like to hear about, too, is, is how did that all happen? How did he get the mask? How How was he talking to Vader? What was the time he showed him the dark side, showed him the true power that he's talking about? So now with everybody turned their back on him, if he's actually talking to Anakin slash Vader, and Vader is telling him all these things and, and talking him up and telling him how powerful he is and how great he can be, and he's probably just looking for someone, and Snoke doing the same thing. He's looking for someone to latch on to, right, to, to feel a part of, to feel part of a family or somebody that loves him because he's lost all this stuff. As, again, feeling that mom and dad don't love him, his uncle doesn't love him, you know, and everybody will bring up, I see all these cartoons and shit about, Chewbacca um, and how he shot him on Force Awakens and, and, you know, how tragic that must have been for Chewie, but how, you know, I've seen uh, the pictures of, of Chewie with Kylo on his knee as, as a baby and all these all these things and everybody's portrayal of that in uh, social media and, and artistic views and, and what have you. I don't see it that way at all. I know Chewbacca was on Kashyyyk. We know he went there back with his family. That he didn't come back again until after Bloodline. That when they liberated him, we're talking within three years after return, up till six years before The Force Awakens, he was on Kashyyyk with his family. So he's not exactly around for Kylo either, or Ben either. So everybody's thinking about Chewbacca and him being close. I think that's bullshit. I think Lando and him were close in the beginning probably until he went off with Luke. Um, not that they saw each other a lot, because by the time Last Shot came up, that was a few years later. I'm sure Lando sends, you know, whatever kind of holiday cards or life day cards, what have you, 
over to him and the, and the gun and he's Uncle Wando to to young Ben. So he does know who he is, but I don't think he's close either. So he doesn't really have anybody close family wise. So he's gonna latch on to to Snoke and to Vader and whatever they're telling him. And at this point, they're telling him that's where the power is. That's where his his power lies and his future lies. But he's not inherently evil. And this is again what makes him such a great character is he's the first one we ever see that's actually trying to be bad, but the problem is he's too good, right? Whereas usually it's it's the opposite. Um, you know, they want to stay good, but they're just too bad to stay there. Vader, or Anakin, was just, he had too much, um, and, he, and he ended up going bad, that type of thing. That's not the case with, with Ben. He's the opposite. You know, he just wants to be bad because that's where he thinks his belonging will be, right? And he's been talked into, either from the Vader vision or from Snoke only, that the only way to do that is to start wiping out the past and starting with his father taking out Han Solo, which we see in The Force Awakens and how it, and they talk about it in The Last Jedi, how the whole thing, the, the whole scene with him and Han was just tearing him a fucking part, um, how conflicted he was, right? All through The Force Awakens, you see him conflicted. Everybody calls him a whiny bitch for the way he was acting or, or emo kid or whatever. That's not at all what it is. This is a guy that's just so twisted up in his fucking head and that uh, he just he'll take off with his lightsaber and start tearing shit up or scaring people or throwing people across the room and and that not like Vader when he was tactical and he'll just come up and choke somebody to prove a point. Kylo's just a rage of emotion and and that's what's cool about him. But anyway, so we see that the the attack and the, the death of Han um, really tore him apart, right? And at this point, he's trying to latch on again. He doesn't know if Snoke's using him or what's going on. You know, we know Snoke is pretty abusive to him at. at at, at the very least, um, and he finds Ray. So one of two things is he's going to see Ray as either a threat to what he has already, like it's going to take away from from his his relationship with Snoke, or he sees a whole new relationship where they can take over, like Vader offered offered to Luke before. And I think this relationship with Ray or whatever he's trying to do, and I'm not Raylo at all, um, but whatever he's trying to pull off here, I think is a direct result of what's going on in his life and he's really looking for a connection um whether that's good or bad for him hard to say I, I don't think it could possibly end well it's not like somebody who's been abused and abandoned and betrayed and all this can just turn around and just magically fall in love and make everything all happy like everybody wants this Raylo bullshit to to go on um i think it can't end in anything but tragedy for one or both of them but i, I think something with her is what he's starting to to see at the end of The Force Awakens. And then we get to Last Jedi, and here we are back to his, his family, right? He's been told that the, the deed split him in half. He's he's Now he's pissed off at Snoke now, that another person to betray him and to tear him down and to, to fuck with him. Somebody else he trusted is now fucking with him, telling him he's no good. And then he's off, you know, to go attack the, the Resistance. And it comes up, and it's time to, to blast the command ship, and he senses his, his mother, Right at this point, you'd think he just took out his dad less than a day ago, and now it's time to take out his mother. He's just too twisted right there. He can't even pull the fucking trigger. So now he's a he's a mess again. Um, until the Tie Fighter pilots go ahead and do it because he can't. So you've got to figure again that there is some good in him. Like we said, he's trying to be bad while he is good. Um, but this relationship with his mom, he's ready to kill her and just just can't. But even being ready to just shows you how fucked up his his upbringing was and how this solo family um really wasn't something 
good for them, good for him, good for the galaxy or, or what have you. It was really just shit. I, I don't want to call it a a fling, a mistake, um, anything like that, because Han and Leia is a, is a special relationship. But I just don't think it was in the right time. It was not the right circumstances. And this is what led to this whole thing with with Kylo, with Ben. You know, so when it comes down to it, you know, I said we get a lot of shit, or uh, we, Lucasfilm gets a lot of shit, Disney gets a lot of shit, the directors get a lot of shit for destroying what we think the characters should have been like or what the EU presented them as. Or they everybody wants this happily ever after fairy tale bullshit, right? When in actuality, I think this new sequel trilogy and the new EU is really putting these guys into a more relatable mode, um, a more tragic mode, um, which I think is is good, is healthy for the series. Um, there's a lot of tragedy in the EU, but people don't want to get around that either. There's good stuff and bad stuff. Hell, I'm going through um, Heir to the Empire again, and the first thing they start talking about uh, with Luke and Leia is how depressed Luke is, right? He's into a depression, all these things, and how hard everybody's working and doing. It's just, it's not that far off from how we're starting off in the, the EU now, but everybody forgets that piece. But they've really done a good job in the new canon books, in the new movies, in the new everything, as far as making these characters really relatable to our world just in a galaxy far, far away. This truly is a space opera. And when you look at the Solo family dynamic, that even though we love them as characters, and these are characters we grew up with, that we idolized, that we thought were were bigger than life itself, they are, at heart, just humans. Um, just happen to be put into extraordinary circumstances and come through big in those circumstances. But when it comes down to it, they have hearts, brains, feelings, emotions, everything else, and then they just got all twisted up, and they didn't know what to do. They were raised a completely different way than they ended up, and that ended up, unfortunately, fucking up the one kid they had, and that one kid ended up going to an uncle who didn't know what the fuck he was doing, who made a quick mistake, and then that sent him over the edge again, and that made him vulnerable to the dark side, to Snoke, to either Vader's you know, ghost or a vision of Vader. Made him vulnerable there. Um, made him able to be able to turn and kill his father. Made him almost able to kill his mom. Makes him this emotional wreck when things are going not his way. It's completely fucked him up. And then when he finally goes just full-on apeshit at the end of The Last Jedi you know it's finally it, that he's finally turned that corner and he can't do it anymore. And all these things have come together now. You know, it's just, it's 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 really emotional. It's really cool. And it's it really goes to show what they've done a great job of, of taking these characters and, and putting it in a situation where they're like, well, if this happened to me, that's how I had to see it, right? Ryan Johnson and Abrams and everybody had to be just sitting there writing these things and going, well, and just like we just did right here, break down, how did their upbringing go? What would happen if this situation occurred and how would everybody react and how would this also affect a child, affect all of these things? And and they came out really strong, but people don't want to look, again, like I say a lot, they don't want to look past their own nose deeper. They just want to look for action, adventure, happy endings, lightsaber battles, um, good guys win, everybody's alive, hoorah, our heroes are awesome, and no new people come in. That's what they want, but that's not what they're getting, so they're all pissy fucking about it. But when you look at it, it is a fantastic story these arcs are great um do, do i want han dead no do i want leia dead no but that's nothing they can do about that do i want luke dead no but they've taken him in, in paths 
that make complete sense and make them more relatable to us, which I think is awesome. So basically to wrap this up, you know, I, I, I like going through these things and I like kind of breaking down the characters a little bit. I could probably I, I each time go just a little bit deeper, but I try to keep these around 45 minutes or so. Um, but I'd like your comments. I'd like your discussion online, um, on Instagram, on the Hot Topic page or on the Sarlacc page. What do you think about this? What do you think about these relationships we're going through? What do you think the writers have done? Have these made a difference, these little talks we have on the show? Have they helped you see things in a little bit different way that you may not have thought of before? Um, when you sit down and look at this and yeah, you know what? I, I, I know I'm a super geek. Don't nobody, you know, denies that, but you know, in the, in the end, you know, these characters are like a little, our little escapism, right? From the real world. I, I have a real life. I, I have a family. I have all these things and I can see where all these people would be coming from in these situations. If, if put into these circumstances, how would I react? How would I feel? And a lot of them, I've been in similar circumstances, not the same, obviously, but very similar circumstances. I know how I reacted, how I wanted to react. These are some kinds, sometimes just the letting loose on those feelings, letting loose on those behaviors, letting loose on, on the emotions taking over. And I think that's what's so fucking powerful that people are missing. So again, you know, uh, let me know what you think. I'd love the comments, all six of you that are listening, you know, keep it up. I have fun doing this. I'm going to get back on a regular schedule. So I'm not a couple of days behind each time. Just uh, like I said, work's been crazy. You know, if I can stop pulling some 60-hour weeks and get these things done in the morning, I'll do it every other week. Um, but I am enjoying this. And also, again, uh, check out not just this show, but obviously I piggyback off of Sarlacc Digest. I'm a spinoff show. Listen to the Sarlacc show because we're uh, going through each movie. We're going through Clone Wars, going through Rebels, the arcs, not so much every episode. Um, but we're really breaking those down, having some fun with it, talking some shit, um, enjoying it. I'm winning arguments on pod racing sucking and uh, tearing Marco up in that. So make sure to go ahead and uh, tune into that show as well. So uh, here we go. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. So until next time. I'll see you in hell. What I was thinking is that we need to cut a promo. Yeah, I've been working on some ideas. It's just I don't really know where to go with it exactly. What if I got like a filter where we could just kind of talk normally and we can have kind of a script, but then yes. I can I can like filter it so that one of us will have one kind of voice and then one will have the other. I want to put my request. Make me as Freddy Krueger. Can you do that? Maybe instead of the voices, what if we tried to like write a skit, develop a whole thing, and we have a backstory? And but well, I don't know. That might be kind of too long. So well, like screeching cars and explosions and fireworks and yeah, and, yeah. Well, what about I like it. Maybe instead of you know doing a filter, we could just like reach out to Robert England himself and maybe. Ooh he can you know just record a promo for us sometime do you think i, I mean we I, might have to like raise some money we can do a kickstarter and we could just throw it out to like robert england and you know sure, just, sure. just all kinds of actors and and i think people will do that i think sure why not well you know what? i don't know maybe we're overthinking this whole thing how about if we just tell people where to find us i like that you can find us at 
who will survive on iTunes, Stitcher, on the Legion Podcast Network, and on the Raw Live and Unedited Podcasting Network. Also on Facebook and Instagram under the same name. Oh, wait. Can we do it underwater uh, with that, piranhas killing me? That would kind of be brutal. And if that doesn't work, then you can do the regular promo. All right. Well, just get in the water and I'll go get some fish. All right, cool. Join the Nerds with Attitude podcast each week, now part of the Raw Live Unedited Network, featuring the Nerds with Attitude podcast. Covering pop culture nerd news. TV shows. Movies. Comics. No! And toys! Also, listen to Nerd Tunes with Scott and Kevin. Movie reviews with President Rob. Kevin interviews. And more. And remember, keep it nerdy. Kevin interviews. Nope, that's the show about cats. I talk to cats. In a world with far too many Star Wars podcasts comes one more Star Wars podcast. The Sarlacc Digest, a bi-weekly show covering Star Wars news, toys, book reviews, fan theories, and new canon discussion. All wings report in. Join the Sarlacc Digest hosts as they bring you knowledge and lore. Man, whenever the Yuzon Vong dropped the moon on Chewbacca's head... I shot a Holy tear, shit, man. dude. What? Not f***ing canon. Jason and Jaina Solo. Why is it so hard for everybody to understand? The passion. So when Luke took off Vader's helmet, you could just see the sadness going in, the lighting, and the, and the tears forming, and it's just, the, the soundtrack just starts raising, and uh, then... You know it's a movie, right? What? The fandom. Okay, so I have my Darth Vader camping chair for the line, my brand new exclusive Luke and Leia vans, my Star Wars pop vinyl wristband that I just got. Oh, oh did I tell you that I was going to get my next... Uh, and the collecting world. I got the orange card of figures. I got the green card. I got the red card. Okay, do you have circles on hand? No circles, half circle? Half circles? Half circle. You got Palpatine Blue Saber? I do, and the barge. What the f***? No, not the barge. The Sarlacc Digest, bringing you line talk and digesting Star Wars topics over a thousand years. Find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're proud members of the RLU, Raw Live and Unedited Podcasting Network. Find us, rawlivepod.com. Uh, Pigs and Flicks is uh, part of the Raw Live and Unedited Podcasting Network, which means you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or the listening platform of your choice. Or you can go directly to rawlivepod.com. Yay!